All right, good afternoon, everyone. This is the Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Week four is in the books, and uh, we're going to do a little recap. We're going to start with the AFC and uh, start to look ahead at week number five. This is about the point in time where, you know, you got to start figuring some things out, whether it's because of inju- injury or underperformance. Wiz, how are you today? I'm doing good. Let's talk a little bit about the two games last night. Uh, Kansas City uh, won a different type of game. Um, you know, I guess if you're a Kansas City fan or, you know, if you're on the Chiefs, even those are good games to, to win because uh, not every game you're going to be able to score 40 points. Uh, so it was kind of a, you know, a different grinded type of game. Um, the quarterback play of New England, New England really could have been winning that game going into the fourth quarter. Hoyer took two sacks. They got no points. Uh, one, they ran out of time at the end before the first half. Another was a sack fumble. So we didn't handle the ball. Otherwise, it could have been a different uh, type of game. And Stidham got in there, and he looked uh, he looked pretty good. So Kansas City won uh, an ugly type of game. Uh, and then the other game, um, like I was telling you, you know, uh, I don't trust Atlanta. Uh, then they lost some players on defense. And even though Green Bay didn't have Adams, and they, they – they, you know, Atlanta looks like – I don't know. I'm just – I'm just concerned that it's all all going to go a complete avalanche. Uh, the coach, I think, is going to be let go before the end of the season. And uh, I think Atlanta has some games coming up that they could win. But uh, I'm very, very concerned about uh, about Atlanta. And uh, and uh, and as far as uh, you know, the other game goes, uh, if you had Kansas City laying those points, you were a winner. But you really should give a thank you note to Brian Hoyer. Uh, and and Julian Edelman for handing the ball off um, on that interception, basically right through his hands uh, for a pick six. So different kind of games. I don't know. Do you have any comments or thoughts about those two games? Uh, I'll tell you the one thing that I just come away with is, you know, and we've spoken a little bit about it, is Aaron Rodgers has a different different feel about him right now. And look, they had no receivers out there. Basically they utilized the running backs said, you know, Jamal Williams was active. Robert Tanyan was extremely active, a guy that we talked about. And um, Rogers looks like he's in high gear right now. And then they come in, they got a, a an extra week for Devonte Adams to heal himself. So, this team is uh, looking like the team to beat right now in that division. I think the other thing that I came away with, I talked a little bit about Damian Harris, uh, you know, potentially being an ad this week. And I think he'll be a popular one. And can you imagine, Wiz, if you came into last night's game needing, I don't know, two catches from Calvin Ridley and 20 yards, say, and to get blanked, it's not exactly the situation that you look at as going to happen. It's a... Uh, you know, it's fantasy football. It's it's crazy stuff. There's weird things that happen all the time, but that was certainly a, a really tough nut to swallow when you're thinking about the offensive output from the Atlanta Falcons. It was it was tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, if you just needed below average games from Edelman, Julio, or Calvin Ridley in your games, you took an L. Those guys all. You know, Julio came out of the game. We've talked about this over and over again about Julio. Um, you know, I have zero equity in that player this year, and this is the reason why. Uh, and Edelman, I can't explain it. I mean, he had just a poor outing, a couple of bad drops. 
Uh, so if you had those guys and you were, you know needed them to do anything yesterday, uh, it, w- it was a tough night. But uh, we'll get into more of the fantasy aspect on Thursday. But uh, I guess let's just give a rundown of where things stand. We'll take the AFC first. Uh, we'll do we'll keep we'll do alternate divisions. And uh, if either one has uh, either one of us has something to add to what the other says, um, you know we'll. Um, We'll, we'll go from there. Uh, as far as the Jets go, not much to say. I'm not even going to really give the Jets even 30 seconds with the exception of saying, you know, if you have Crowder, you're okay. He's probably the only sure thing. And uh, Jeff Smith from Boston College was very, very active last week, but I have no idea if that continues. I don't even think Adam Gaze knows the game plan at all. It seems completely random from week to week. So Crowder is kind of the only sure thing. I'm assuming the Jets are going to get leaving on Bell back in another week or so. We'll have to see about that. And uh, Jeff Smith looked good. Um, from, like I said, Boston College. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Miami Dolphins, I predicted, would cover the spread last week against the Seahawks. You like the other side. Uh, Miami was hanging in there tough again. A um, couple of crazy plays in that game. It could have been a different story. But, uh, you know, I- I'm still okay with Miami. I think, like, Fitzpatrick is kind of holding the fort for two to get in there. Uh, a lot to like. I like that the receiving core that they have. Uh, I think that they've played well enough, and I think they'll win some more games, so there's a lot to like about Miami. I, the, traje- the trajectory between Miami and the Jets is on two completely different paths, uh, even though one's 0-4 and one's 1-3, and so I will say that about those two teams. The Patriots, um, you know, again, uh, they have to play these type of games without Cam Newton, certainly for the next week or so, or maybe two weeks, I'm not sure. They're going to be playing these low-scoring type of games. Um, Harris got in there and did some good things, but, you know, they sprinkle in Burkhead on third down or if they're trailing and the game script calls for them to be throwing in the fourth quarter, then it's mostly going to be James White. So uh, Harris looked good, but I just don't know. It's just one of those situations where – it's kind of a week-to-week basis, basis, but that's always been the case with the Patriots. The Bills' offense looks virtually unstoppable at this point. Zach Moss missed a game at running back. That was that didn't matter at all. Uh, they were the moving ball up and down the field. Josh Allen is playing with tremendous amount of confidence. Um, that receiving duo of Diggs and John Brown and Gabriel Davis mixed in as well. Um, and like I said, Singletary played really well. Their offense looks tremendous. The question is, when they play the Patriots, if they play the Ravens, if they play the Chiefs, are they going to hang up 30-something points? I don't know what your feelings are, but you could uh, you know, add on to that and give some comments and thoughts. If you, how do you think the Bills are going to do when they play the elite teams? Well, we're going to find out in week six, actually, on the Bills, because the Bills play the Chiefs in week six, and you're potentially, if both teams win next week, you're looking at two 5-0 and o teams squaring off. So uh, we will find that out. They have a, they have a matchup against Tennessee uh, th- this coming week. I'm not sure. I think I read somewhere that uh, Tennessee is definitely going to be very shorthanded, like a lot of those players that are on the COVID list are not going to be eligible to be playing in this game. So we have to see what that exact list looks like. So it's just something to keep in mind for that game. But I agree with you on the Bills. It was a little scary on that one play for Josh Allen when he got hurt. And I don't know if they took him into the tent or the locker room, but I I was a little nervous about that. But 
He bounced back, and he looks good. I have nothing negative to say about what's going on there. Um, defense still a little sluggish there, um, given where they stood before the season. Um, uh, on the Patriots, you know, Sony Michelle is out now, so Damian Harris, again, will be a popular um, ad, I think. And they, they, they basically sprinkled in a little bit of White and Burkhead both. So, And I think that stays consistent. They'll both have value in, in PPR leagues particularly. Um, I think it's noteworthy that, that we're still seeing, um, you know, the way the snap – I just looked at the snap count before it went on. And, you know, our, our pal Ricky noted that Edelman wasn't out there a lot, but one guy that was out there a lot was Demir Bird and uh, and Nikhil Harry. They were actually 1-2 in snaps for the team. So something to watch there. You know, we're, we're uh, Edelman owners in one league. We sweated it out for a win last night, but there are definitely concerning situations, especially without Cam Newton, you know, for sure. And say with my... Already, with, so go ahead. Uh, talk to us about the AFC North. I just want to add one other thing on, my, on, on Miami. I think Miami's defense is actually playing very, <clears throat> very well. I think very, very well. Uh, they're keeping him in, in games. They've been doing it actually without Byron Jones. They're not actually at full strength right now, so... I actually like the way the team is playing, and I think Brian Flores has his team believing in itself once again this year. Yep. Okay, so let's let's go to the central. Uh, you know, I think the the most impressive storyline continues to be Joe Burrow. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday on our podcast that this potentially could be, we could be looking at one of the best divisions in football here. You know, if not the best, uh, and the fact that it looks like Cincinnati is going to compete week in week in and week out, certainly offensively. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Burrow, uh, first rookie in history for three straight 300-yard games. Tyler Boyd, again, is is the guy to own. And it looks like A.J. Green is the third banana here because T. Higgins has really made some strides in the last couple of weeks. So um, you mentioned and you were very high on Mixon coming into the into this week, and he delivered in a big way. So it's good to see that. And I think Cincinnati, like I said, is going to compete offensively. You know, the Browns, great story now, 3-1. and one. Kevin Stefanski has his team playing well. They're not leaning on Baker Mayfield. They're running the ball down people's throats. The negative, obviously, is Nick Chubb not going to be there. Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt is going to get the opportunity to tote the rock more than anybody else. They'll use Hilliard, and they'll use Dearness Johnson as well. You know, against the poorest Cowboy defense, this team averaged nearly nine yards a carry. Uh, and this is the way that this team wants to wants to win. I also think the defense, I know they gave up a lot of points, garbage and stuff like that. The, you know, Miles Garrett is ca- causing a lot of problems in there. Um, on Baltimore, you know, there's still some inconsistencies in this offense. And, you know, I'm going to lean on the side that when they play poor opponents, I think you can feel confident about starting the offensive players on this team. When they are playing more competitive teams, I'm starting to express some concerns about how this team performs offensively. It's just something that I've got on 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 kind of my mind right now. I'll be curious to see if you agree with that. And you know, Pittsburgh, we don't have anything to really discuss. Is they they get an early bye week, um, so they get to rest up. They'll be back at full strength this week. Uh, we like this offense. We think it'll be coming back, and they'll be ready to play. Hopefully the week off this early uh, doesn't have uh, some rust coming off this team, but I think you have to still be confident about what you saw in, in James Conner before the break. And we really like this offense. I think Eric Ebron is going to become more of a focal point in this offense. We saw that in week three. He's hanging around on a lot of waiver wires. It's a player that I'd be looking at if you need some tight end help. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
just add a few things uh, that that were mentioned or um, that I wanted to talk about. As far as Cincinnati goes, yeah, I love Mixon, you know, for his over as far as prop bets last week. But one thing I mentioned, I think, after the week two's game is that A.J. Green is looking to me like he's more and more a drop candidate, believe it or not. Um, I, you know, there's been excuse after excuse, like, you know, get the rust off. Week one was like a you know, the third preseason game. And then week two, he's getting acclimated and Joe Burrow. And it's just week after week after week after week. And uh, I think it's just a combination of things. The players getting older. You miss so much time. The injuries. He, he, you know, it's just sad to kind of say this about, about a player of A.J. Green's status and, and how we remember the player, you know, when he was an elite wide receiver. He kind of looks just like the afterthought uh, for Cincinnati and one catch, three yards in an offensive game where Mixon went crazy and Higgins had a good game and, and Boyd had a big game. It's like... I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, get, I'm thinking more and more that, that A.J. Green is just a, a drop candidate. Um, Cleveland losing Nick Chubb is, is, is very, very big. I'm not sure what the timetable is in on that. That looks like that could be like a four- to eight-week type of thing. Um, I think short-term it'll be okay, but I think they'll, they'll, they'll really miss Nick Chubb's running uh, as, as that absence gets lengthier. You know, I want to ask you one thing about the Ravens that really surprised me. It was something that you would not see last year. The, the Ravens got on top of the Washington football team in a big way, and then they let them throw the ball all over them. Haskins, probably the worst passer in the NFL, 32 or 45 for over 300 yards. I mean, you know, I, I know we get into this thing about the Ravens, that they're fit trailing by double digits. They're not really a great passing team. But what do you make of a situation on Sunday that never would have happened last year when the Ravens got on top of you with that pass rush? There would be sacks and fumbles and interceptions. And Haskins was just throwing the ball all over them. Uh, any concerns about that? This defense is not, you know, and they added some very good players, Um Obviously, they lost uh, Earl Thomas with the with the fallout from his uh, behavior. But yeah, then they're, they're not playing up to par on defense right now, and, um, and that's why I said I'm a little bit concerned in these games where they play more competitive teams. And if they get down, it's going to be problematic for the offense because the, I don't think the offense is geared to to really come back as well. So. And yeah, I think it's something that we need to watch. They're, they're not playing up to snuff considering where they were last year. Yeah, I mean, to me, the Ravens look closer to the status of the Bills than they do, do to the Chiefs. Uh, it, it looks like there's a bigger gap between the Ravens and Kansas City than the Ravens and Buffalo. So that's something to keep your eye on. Not much to talk about the Steelers. The game was postponed last week. But I'll just say one thing. Uh, I'm liking that 1-1-8 combination right now of Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson. I know you mentioned Ebron. Don't sprinkle the other guys in there. Connor looks good and McFarlane uh, – played his first game of the season, the last game that they played. He looked like he had lively legs. So just look at that one one eight combination of uh of uh, Juju and Deontay Johnson. It looks to be something that uh that, that Big Ben goes to early and often. Both guys getting around like ten targets a game. 
So let me go to the AFC South. I'm not going to repeat the same stuff I keep saying about the Texans and their finesse team and no toughness and all of that. I mean, they just find themselves in these type of games every single week. Uh, Bill O'Brien fired, so I'm not sure how that's going to play out. It looks like the Texans' trouble started months and months before the first game was ever played, and kind of the writing was on the wall. We, we talked about that. Um, the, the, the Jags, you know, lost another tight game kind of at the end. I mean, their offense was pretty good. Robinson, another 100 yards total of offense. And like I've mentioned about the receivers, those other guys, Cole and LaVisca Chenault, they are better with DJ Shark in the lineup. He's clearly the alpha dog there. Um, he he had, a, had a tremendous game. And then by him having in his presence, that allowed Chenault and, and Cole to do what they do best, be complimentary players. So that's a situation where if Shark's out there, there's definitely more fantasy value for the other two receivers, not the other way around. So some of those key guys remained uh, intact. Colts are a good team. Um, they're my Super Bowl winner. I, I placed a bet on them getting big odds. They really could be 4-0. I'm not complaining they're 3-1, though. Move on with them. Defense and a running game. I am concerned about T.Y. Hilton. Um, this is not looking good. It just seems like the excuses are running out. You know, now they're down to basically just only a few guys that he throws the ball to, Hilton and Pascal, and and then the tight ends are in the mix as well. And it's not, it's just not looking good for T.Y. Hilton. I mean, he may have the big game sprinkled in here or there, but I just don't think the the days of T.Y. Hilton consistently having 6 for 70 or 7 for 80 or the occasional 6 for 120, I think those are few and far between. He doesn't look right, and the connection just doesn't look right. So I'm not sure how many more weeks I'm still going to be able to be comfortable sending out T.Y. Hilton. He's just going in the wrong way as well. A Titans game was postponed. Unlike some of these other teams who lose all of these tight games, the Titans want to play in these games. They love these type of games. Give them a, a game that's within three or four points in the fourth quarter. It's like they got you where they want you. Like they're going to wear you down with a running game, and they're going to try and play mistake-free football. Uh, I think A.J. Brown will return this week, and that's going to give their offense a, a big boost. I'm still expecting him to come back and have a big, big year. So I haven't lost faith in him. And, uh, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot to like about the Titans and Colts, and uh, I think they're two – playoff teams and uh, they'll be battling it out for the division so not sure what you have to add about the AFC South but go ahead yeah I think the one thing that I'm most impressed with with the Colts is that defense and they've played very 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 well and and they're really using two tight end sets with with high frequency I guess my, my concern with the offense at the moment though is you mentioned Hilton yes but you know there also is a part of it that and we saw it last year where I think, you know, Rivers is really more of a game manager than actually a game breaker or a game changer right now. So his ability to get the ball in, you know, in stride to a guy like T.Y. Hilton, I think is going to be more limited. You know, maybe he'll get him on a couple of slants and, and then Hilton can do something with that. But the chemistry doesn't look right, as you mentioned. I, you know, I really don't have... I mean, I just, I'm not defending 
Rivers because I'm somebody who just thought that he was on the decline, and even when he had a clean pocket last year, he wasn't able to get the ball out to those guys. However, they have a rookie and a second-year player that they absolutely love, both players in Pittman and uh, Paris Campbell, who both are in the midst of long uh, absence of from playing because of injury. So, Kind of, this is not probably what they had envisioned. So I'm going to give Rivers a little bit of a break, but um, I think the concerns are valid. Yes, one guy I am watching and I'm going to watch, and, you know, look, he – we talked about him in the preseason. Frank Reich talked him up. He, he, he coached him in Philadelphia. But, you know, he walked off of the injured list, and he was on the field a lot this week. He was targeted five times. You know, you, we talked about Mo Ali Cox, and, and, you, and you mentioned, you know, what, what you think he's going to do in terms of, you know, down at the goal line and third down type presence, his physical ability. But I think Trey Burton, with those two players out, let's, it was his first week, like I said, back – I think that's a play you want to keep a very close eye on, you know, as a weapon in this offense kind of moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I know there seems to be like, you know, this, this you know, excitement about, uh, you know, Trey Burton. But be honest, uh, you know, besides Frank Reich and Steph, I'm, I'm not sure really who loves that <laughs> play that much. Uh, you know, I, I know, you know, he had, he had a couple catches and uh, he had five targets <clears throat> on uh, on Sunday. I guess you have, you, you know, we have to watch uh, that. But I, it looks like, I'll be honest with you, it looks to me like with the presence of Mo Ali Cox in the red zone and, and Doyle and Trey Burton, it, it just looks to me like they're kind of all going to cancel each other out in terms of fantasy value. You, you won't be able to start any of those guys with any confidence except – you know, and then we, you know, nobody wants to see a player get hurt. But but if, a, if one of those guys got hurt and missed a substantial amount of time, then you know, like you saw with Mo Ali Cox, the other guys were both kind of banged up, and Mo Ali Cox had a couple of big weeks. And then now that they returned, yeah, Mo Ali Cox had a touchdown, but you can't touchdowns are random. He had one catch for 13 yards, so I'm kind of staying away from that situation altogether. So. Uh, that said, talk about one of the most offensive, exciting divisions in football, the uh, AFC West. Yeah, so I think um, I'll start with the Chargers. And, you know, Chargers have really been in every game that they've played this year. Um, I mean, Justin Herbert, I don't see giving up this job. Uh, he's sitting on probably sitting on a lot of waiver wires and a guy that should be looked at uh, by everyone. He nearly pulled off the same feat as uh, as Joe Burrow and passing for 300 yards. He was just short of that, but he's he's playing very well. This benefits all the offensive players as a result. <clears throat> you know, unfortunately, Austin Eckler is out. That really sucks. Um, the good part is they do have two capable backs behind him. Justin Jackson came back last week. You know, he was jumped over by by Joshua Kelly um, uh, at the start of the season. But they're going to have to go with these two guys because it looks like Eckler's going to be gone anywhere from four to six weeks, and that's a it's a tough uh, pill to swallow for fantasy owners. But you know, look, next man up, and uh, let's see what these guys can do. Uh, but it probably changes the dynamic a little bit of that offense, and and, and this defense is. Look, they're shorthanded compared to when they came into the season. Melvin Ingram is is out right now. We know they lost two guys in their secondary and Chris Harris and Derwin James. So they're playing with a very shorthanded defense, but they've managed to play tough in all their games. I'm, I'm impressed, like I said, with, with Herbert. I'd say the Raiders, a little disappointing in kind of how they lost the game. You know, they just kind of faded away. I thought Carr played well. Um, they're also a team that's playing with some spare parts right now where – 
you know, they're not able to use some of these weapons that they brought in in, in Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards who've been hurt. So I'd like to see when everything is together. I know you have some opinions on 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 on, on, on Jacobs as well because he's taking some hits in there. And, and it is some worry that, you know, he's going to get taken on a little bit too much in terms of that. Um, the Broncos, we know they've had a lot of injuries on that Thursday night game. You know, basically switching off quarterbacks again. Um an injury to Noah Font, which hurts this offense. But the one guy that definitely stepped up last week and I got to keep an eye on is Tim Patrick. You know, you mentioned the chemistry between him um, and, uh, and and the quarterback, and, and you really saw it on full display uh, with, with Rippon on, on Thursday night. So something that we need to watch going forward, especially with no Cortland Sutton and now no, no Noah Font in this lineup. And K.J. Hamler also got hurt. And I think lastly with the Chiefs, like there isn't isn't much to say. You know, Chris Jones didn't play in this game. He's one of their better defensive players. You know, they're a little bit sluggish on offense. You know, the one thing I'd mentioned, and, and we talked about this, you know, what Bill Belichick does to tight ends and 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 they wanted Kelsey to do nothing to them. I know he broke away for that long play for 45 yards, but they were just beating him up every time he came off the line of scrimmage and basically saying to Mahomes, you know, you got to beat us with other guys. And Patrick Mahomes beat him with other guys, and, and they did that. So this team has started 4-0, and I think, for the fourth year in a row, which is a really incredible feat. But this is the team to beat right now. They won the Super Bowl, but they're basically saying, everybody, come get us. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting division. It's one of my favorite divisions to talk about from a, from a fantasy perspective because there's a lot of stuff going on here. I mean, you kind of feel for the Broncos. I mean, I know John Elway has gotten criticized uh, for not being – than you know, as close to evaluating talent as he was as a player, but that's you know not always the not always the case you know with with players um, who are great and then trying to evaluate talent or it doesn't work out for one reason or another. But man, you know, having Locke get hurt and then Colin Sutton get hurt and then Noah Fon getting hurt and then watching these other guys play. You realize, man, they they if they could stay on the field, you know, and this season is kind of like you know they'll they'll have to patchwork and do whatever they can. But you gotta have to feel like if they have, and, and I didn't even mention Philip Lindsay, who's who's missed the, the the last three weeks of the season as well. So the running back room is strong with Gordon and Lindsay, and then then you know Colin Sullen and Judy and KJ Hamler and. um you know, I, I I mentioned the connection with Patrick and Noah Font's a good young tight end and a, a lot to like about Denver. Unfortunately, injury riddled, but listen, you know, if you have those guys that are remaining, they're going to have a lot of fantasy value. So um, keep an eye on the existing players uh, for the for the Broncos in terms of wide receivers. Um, I like what the Chargers are doing. I really do. It's a shame about Eckler, and I think that is going to hurt the value of Herbert because it's so important to have a check-down guy like Eckler where you could just throw that swing pass for two yards, and he, he takes it, and he gets 14 yards on it. He pops it for 25 yards. Sometimes uh, he'll go the distance. And, you know, Kelly's a good player, and Justin Jackson's a good player. I mentioned when we did the Chargers that I felt at the ages of 22, 23, and 24, that was the best young running back room in the NFL. So all that, you know, it's not stuff that I'm saying, oh, I see, that's there. Go listen to the podcast. We talked about the Chargers. Um, so I like Kelly. I like Jackson. But 
you know, it's different when they have to now kind of split the role. I think the whole situation, certainly for Herbert, would be better if Eckler was there. Um, he's an elite pass-catching running back, if not the best, one of the top three in the NFL. So losing him is going to hurt his value. But I like what the Chargers do on offense. I love that they, you know, ground and pound you with with Kelly or Eckler or Justin Jackson when he gets in there. And then they'll slant you to death with Keenan Allen over and over again. And now they've mixed in and they sprinkle in Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson and they hit you over the top with these bombs. Um, I, I, I like a lot from what I see with Herbert in there with that Chargers offense. And uh, it's a shame because going into the season, you thought the strongest part of the Chargers team was their defense, but injuries have kind of like made it where they seem to be playing these offensive kind of games often. Um, the Raiders, uh, the Ruggs injury kind of hurts. Um, uh, you know, in watching Renfro, I, I like the player, but I, I think he's more useful in game script when the Raiders are having to throw the ball in the second half. Uh, that's where he seems to have done his best work. Even going back to last year and this year, he's used more in that, you know, in, in that type of situation. Waller, I mean, outside of outside of Kelsey and Kittle, I don't know at this point in the redraft, I would take a tight end above Darren Waller. Uh, maybe you could give a quick view on that, but I think he's leapfrogged. I know Andrews is getting a lot of touchdowns and Ertz is still solid, but I got Waller right now as the third best tight end in fantasy football. Um, and uh, and I'm concerned about the, 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 the pounding uh, Josh Jacobs is getting. And like you said, there's not really much to talk about. It's, it's almost perfection with Kansas City. They have so many elite skilled players, so many fast players. It's like they're toying with their opponents and coming up with these plays and just experimenting. So that's really uh, it. I don't know if you had anything to add uh, about the AFC West or anything else for that matter. Nope. I think uh, I think that covers it. I, I, I mean, I, look, I think there's – we talked about this. There's a lot of big games coming up for, for some of these teams. I was actually looking at the Baltimore schedule, and, and once they, they play – I think they play the Eagles uh, in week six, and I think this week they play the Bengals. But they play all playoff teams, uh, including the Steelers twice, uh, right after they get that bye week. So I'm really curious. It's it's a really key part of the season for them. So it's it's something I'm going to be looking at very very closely. I would be a little bit nervous at the moment, like I said, just in general about this team. I I think to your point, a divide has definitely crept in here between what we thought was easily the best two teams, but I think Kansas City is standing head and shoulders above everyone else. And, you know, behind that distinctly at the moment seems to be the Ravens. So it's something that I think we're going to have to pay close attention to uh, post their bye week. And they're going to be in some very, very competitive games. Uh, so looking forward to seeing what they do. Good stuff. So I think that's a wrap on the AFC and uh, up next, the NFC. Uh, absolutely. And again, just to remind everybody, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Uh, make sure you subscribe, get it in there. And uh, we'll be right back again with some NFC recaps as well. Thanks, Wiz. You got it.